Awesome, awesome. Good morning. How are we doing? You alive? It's good to be alive, isn't it? I'd rather be alive than dead right now. So, um, anyone, y'all have a good week? Y'all have a good week? Did anyone have the best week here? Rochelle was saying she had the best week. You went shopping with your daughter in Wilmington. Can anyone top that? Um, anyways, it's a good day to be alive. I'm very grateful to be here this morning. Uh, first and foremost, I want to say a huge thank you to this church family, this church community, uh, from the bottom of Jess in our hearts for loving and, and embracing and supporting Jess and I through this transition, as we can now say we are the lead pastors here at Catch Star Raleigh. Thank you, thank you. And I just want to say a huge thank you for just being right there for those of you who've come and, and prayed with us and said, I got your back and given us a high five, whatever it is, we feel the love, we feel the support, and we're excited. We're excited for the future of this church. You know, 10 years ago, October, I, I said yes to be the youth pastor of this church. I was offered a salary of, of $20,000 to come and be the youth pastor full-time. And yeah, and I was, uh, I was dating Jess at the time, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I won't go just because Jess is my girlfriend. I need to hear your voice. And the Lord spoke to me super clearly. He said, Aaron, go to Raleigh, serve me in my house, and I will provide. And for two years, I didn't get my work permit to work in the States for two years. So for two years, I worked for free full-time for this church because I believe in this church. I believe in the families of this church. I believe in the students in this church. I believe in the future of this church. And I look on those days with fondness where I got to truly kind of test my mettle when the Lord said, serve me and I'll provide. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm serving you. You better provide because uh, I, I got nothing. And... Um, so I'm excited for what God's done the last, what has it been now? Is it 16? 16 years? 14 years. Yeah, why did I say 16? 14, that makes more sense. 14 years of this church and what God's going to do in the, the next 14 and the next 30 and 40 and 50. Amen? Amen. God's got big plants. You ain't seen nothing yet. Come on, tell somebody you ain't seen nothing yet. Secondly, I'm excited to, to carry on our sermon series, We the Church. I hope you all have been enjoying it as much as I have been. And I'm excited to, to speak today on works. Y'all, it's like I just said a curse word in church. Y'all hear that? Is this thing, is this thing working? I'm excited to preach on works. Woo! Works and serving, all right? Are y'all good for that? Are y'all here for that? I believe it's here. I believe it's in the Bible, and I feel like our calling as, as pastors, as, as preachers of the word, is to preach this thing, no matter whether it makes somebody comfortable in their seat or not. Whether it makes somebody want to come back or not, that's up to you and the Lord. But I know that, Lord, one day I'm going to stand before you, and I want to say that I preached your word with, with integrity, with purity of heart, and I didn't hold back or shy away from the things that maybe are a little scary for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Come on, say, say to yourself, I am created by God to do good works. Tell your neighbor, you are created by God to do great works. And throughout this series, we've, we've, 
We've touched on a few things. We've touched on how we are one unified body. We are one church, one family, one body, one expression. We have one baptism. We're one spirit. And I want to see how many of y'all can remember. We're, we're, I'm, I wrote it down so I didn't forget it. We're one heart, one soul. Who? Let's try it again. One heart, one soul. Who? And so Jess preached a brilliant message on how we're, we're one. That's, that's us, the sports team, Catch the Fire Raleigh. We're like the Patriots when they had Tom Brady, okay? Some of y'all are offended I say that. It's okay. He's the GOAT, and y'all can get over that. Anyways, um, and then the following week, Duncan's message on the fruits of the Spirit and how uh, we have been empowered with the fruits of the Spirit for the body of Christ, for the world around us. And today, I want to talk about how we are created by God for good works. Amen? Amen. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As you're turning there, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church body that is already such a, a beautiful, serving, working, generous church. Lord, I thank you for all the ways that they already give their lives away to you, Lord, that they already have such pure hearts. Father, I ask that you would take all of us deeper, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that any word that is, that is true that's in your book, that's in your heart, would, would cut deep in our hearts today. Father, anything that is flesh or of man, that it would fall to the wayside and be flushed this morning. But Lord, we turn to you. Would you speak to us with your word? In the name of Jesus, amen. So the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus around 60 to 61 AD. This was during Paul's first uh, imprisonment in Rome, first Roman imprisonment. And this is probably one of Paul's more formal books to the church. He's kind of describing to them some of the ways of godliness and godly living. He's in the first three chapters, especially he's setting a foundation for the reality that they have been called and known by God, that there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, but there are sons and daughters of one God, that there are sons and daughters of one person, one head, and the head is Christ. And that stands true today for us foundationally as the church, as Jess was preaching, we are one church, one family, one community under the house of God. Yeah, amen. And then the latter three chapters kind of begin to move towards talking about some of the ways in which we are to, to live this life of godliness. And in verse, verse 1, we're going to pick this up, all right? Y'all there? I therefore, Paul speaking here, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of it. With all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, we don't like that word sometimes in church, but it's there, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavor, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, here it is, one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of, of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. Y'all love that? So poetic. He led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now he ascended, what does it mean, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all, say all, come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or the culture of man or the culture of our generation or the culture of social media. (laughs) In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Last verse here. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Message done. I love this. Paul, Paul starting off this scripture, right? He's, he's solidifying the fact, once again, we are one. We are unified. We're together. Even the way that Paul addresses himself. He's like, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I didn't walk in here today and say, hey, my name's Aaron. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Nice to meet you. I don't, we don't go around describing ourselves like that. It's not normal, but, but Paul's taking this moment. Catch on to it. He's like, listen, don't think of yourself higher than you are. I myself am a prisoner of the Lord. I might be writing to you. I might be leading these churches. I might be sending letters to these churches. The Lord might have appointed me as an apostle, but my real title is a prisoner of the Lord. God doesn't look to titles. God looks to heart. And so Paul is saying, listen, we're all part of one heart, one body, one soul, one communion, one father in heaven. We're one, we're unified. But then he goes on, he says, but listen, there are some of you who've been called, and Rochelle's going to touch on this a little more about the different offices and, and go into that. I don't want to go into all that today. But some of us has been called for unique offices within the church, full-time vocational ministry, all right? What are those? There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, right? And why? Why did the Lord, why did the Lord do this? Why did the Lord set some apart? Well, Paul kind of answers the question right here. It says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Somebody say, that means me. You're a saint. Tell your neighbor, you're a saint. (laughs) For the work. Everyone go, work. (laughs) Of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You are called by God for the work of ministry. All right, take a moment. Look at me. You are called by God for the work of ministry. Some of y'all don't think I'm talking to you. You are called by God for the work of ministry. Some of y'all need to get your cameras out and like talk to yourself for a moment. I'm called by God for the work of ministry. Now, of course, this doesn't mean we're all called to the office. This doesn't mean all full-time vocational, but we are called to ministry, everybody. We're one body, one church. And I want to ask us this morning, have we allowed church to become something that we attend rather than something that we are a part of? Have we allowed church to become something that we are merely spectators in when all along you were meant to be a player on the field? And you're sitting in the warming some bench or warming the stadium seating up in the nosebleeds and God's saying, I want you playing the game. 
We are all called to play a part. We're all part of this body. This church is not some Netflix subscription. And the moment you don't like what's, what's the movies or the titles that are on there, you go find another one. It's not a tithe to be entertained. We don't tithe for anything other than unto the Lord. Tithing isn't to receive anything, but it's to give something to God. Our first fruits, it's a way of honoring him. Don't, don't come in here and say, pastors, we pay, we pay you to do ministry so we don't have to. First off, you don't pay anyone. You give return to the Lord what was already his in the first place. And if you haven't yet received that revelation of tithing, then you're missing out on a whole joy that's in the scripture anyways. And we're not going to force you. We're not going to come after you. I don't look at anyone's giving. I would never do that. But it's a joy to be discovered. But the point is, we all are part of this body. It's not, we don't pay for anything. We come and we serve. And we are all called to the work of ministry. Amen. It's like we think the church is some organized event to attend, but it's an organism. It's a body, and a body is living and breathing and active, and it has blood and sinew and tissue and cells working in harmony just to keep you alive today. Do you know how hard your body is working to keep you alive today? How hard are we working? Have we shown up to be entertained because this is not the church for you? Anyways, just saying. (laughs) The reality is when you look at the book of Acts, when you look at the early church, when you look at the epistles, it's hard to defend a position that so, many, so much of the world is right now, so much of culture is right now, that we have no need of the church. You cannot read, you cannot defend that position reading this or using this. That Christ's body, all y'all look around the room, all y'all, all of us, this is Christ's body. And we came together as his holy assembly under one roof in one location, but we are one body, one people to glorify Jesus today and give him worship that he's, he is deserving of. And so we don't come to sit in our seats and listen to music. If that's all you think worship is, you're missing out. We come to engage with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and give him the glory that he's deserving of. The reality is we are not going to Within reason, we're not going to reinvent the church. The church has survived thousands and thousands of years. It has last famine and plague and persecution. And through persecution, the church hasn't diminished. It has only burned brighter and greater. And people will come and say, you know, even I loved house church growing up as a family. People will say, it's all about house church we shouldn't be doing the large assemblies. And I'm like, yes, there's precedence. There's loads of house churches. That's why we do connect groups. We're like, get in a connect group. It's, you can call it house church if that helps you. But get, get in a group, get in a smaller group, do church. You are the church anyway. So if two or more of you show up, welcome, you have church. You can have church in an elevator. You can have church on the beach. You can have, 
you can have church in the bathroom. You can have church anyways. So, but the reality is, not in the bathroom, of course you can. You have church around the dinner table, most especially when you taste the food that the Lord has made and you say, oh, Lord Jesus, you're good. But this is his body. This is his unique body that he's, he's set apart, that he, it's part of his plan and design for humanity. And we're not called just to come to an event. We're not called to be entertained. We're called to be a part of something. We are called to be a part of something. And so there's no way to read this and defend a lifestyle that is isolated from God's body. There's no way to read this and defend a lifestyle with no accountability. If God's word through Paul in Ephesians 4 said, I've given you these gifts to the church, why would you live a life without the gifts of God? Why, why have you no need of apostles or prophets or teachers or evangelists or pastors? Why reject what the Lord's given us? Y'all tracking with me? So, it's important. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, I want us to look at this again. It says this, and he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? Here it is, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So how do you know if Jess and I are successful as lead pastors in our role. I shouldn't tell you all this because it makes me nervous, all right? <laughs> well, hopefully, knowingly or unknowingly, and y'all have a part to play, you don't just sit there passively with a hard heart and not receiving and then say, Pastor, you're not doing a great job. We have a job to keep our hearts open before the Lord. But you'll know that a pastor, an apostle, a, an evangelist, uh, a teacher is doing a great job if you are being equipped for the work of ministry. If you are growing in your gifts, if you are growing in your passion before the Lord, if you are growing in your purpose, if you are growing in your calling, if you are growing in your ministry, well, golly, we're doing a great job, <laughs> right? You didn't come to church just to grow in character and hear a TED Talk. That was kind of good timing. You didn't, <laughs> listen, y'all, we came to church to grow in our ministry and our callings and our purposes unto the Lord. Amen? And it's our heart to, to do that, to do that well before the eyes of the Lord, most, first and foremost, and with y'all in this role of lead pastors. We carry that in our hearts. And listen, we're, we're probably not going to get it right all the time. We're, we're not perfect. We're human. But we're going to try our best. And you know, the beautiful thing is, I, I bet you y'all ain't going to get it right all the time either. And hopefully you're trying your best before the eyes of the Lord, okay? So we're going to preach this. Yeah, we do. We're going to preach the word of conviction. So, and this is the reality. Some people might not love this type of message, being called for work and serving one another. But the reality is it's in there, and it's our heart to preach this word with conviction and purity of heart. And we're not trying to build simply or at all a big church. We want to build big people. We want to build saints a royal priesthood set on fire, transforming their workplaces, transforming their cultures, transforming their friend groups. I mean, that was even our heart in youth ministry, that our students would be set on fire for Jesus for the rest of their lives and transform nations. 
All right? So you didn't come to hype church. You didn't come to a social media-centric church. This isn't a church you get to come and wear your mask and then take it off the moment you leave. Leave the mask off in the first place. Be real and, and bring your gifts to the body, okay? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Antoine, you're the best. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start down at verse 12 and read all the way to 26. Y'all good for that? Don't y'all love hearing the scripture in church? Like, come on. Seeing a TED talk, you're not going to get one verse out of me. We're going to read passages, okay? All right, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether rich or poor, I'm out in here, richer or poor or whatever ethnic background we are, we are all, we've been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. See how we put in seem to be? And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schism, which means split or division, in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. When's the last time we suffered when one person was suffering here? When's the last time you rejoiced with somebody or mourned with somebody who's mourning? And all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know what I love about this? We all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. And we can't make the mistake that, that Paul's pointing out here and say, listen, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a hand and I wish I was an eye, so I'm not the body, I'm separate. And we do this in our culture. We, we add divisions, we add Things that, well, you're this, you're that, you're that. Just look at no further than denominal, denominal issues. Somebody help me out. Thank you so much. I'm not even going to try it again after that fail. But listen, it's like we, we divide ourselves into different camps. And he's saying, no, like we're all one, one body, part of one body, the body of Christ. And we can't, we can't think, oh, well, I'm a foot, so I'm not important. And we can't fall into this type of thinking that either, A, we have no place, or we're not important or useful. 
And we look at somebody else's gifting, we look at what somebody else has been given, we look at somebody else's appointment within the body, and we say, I'm useless. And we think, well, that person is a great voice, so of course, they'll, they'll serve on the worship team, but I'm useless, I'm not going to serve anywhere because I can't do that. Or that person's really great with children, and they can, they can serve in the kids' ministry and be the best kids' worker we've ever seen, but I, man, I got nothing to give. You have an important role to play in the body of Christ. You have an important role to play in this body of Christ. Amen? Ephesians 4, verse 16. I'll pull this out for a moment again. It says, The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, this is the evidence of maturity, that every part is doing its share. As we mature as a body, as we mature as this expression of God's, God's bride in, in Raleigh, in Durham, North Carolina, it's like as we mature, it looks like every part doing their share. It's just, I'm just reading scripture to y'all. And so sometimes we think that the church is like a pyramid it's a power structure with, with the pastor at top and the rest of us below. I don't think that's the way that God describes church. Some of us think that the church is like we're all on some bus and the pastor's the, the, the bus driver. He's taking us somewhere and we're all just passive. That's kind of that event-based church. We're just going and attending and wherever they take us. But how does the Lord describe the church? Come on, we just read it. How does the Lord describe the church? It's a body. And in a body, every part has a unique place. Every part has something to give. And listen, if you came here today as a pinky toe, you have a part to play. You can be the best pinky toe that the world has ever seen. And listen, if y'all came here as like a nose hair, you can play the part of the greatest nose hair. And this... (laughs) This is it. But I love it. I think it's such like a humbling thing to, to see the body, for the Lord to describe his bride, his body, as, as, as a body, as an organism. It's not about how, how, like, you being a big deal. It's not about you being a successful business person. It's not about you having riches. It's when you come into this house, we're, we're all equal before the eyes of the Lord. And if you came here today struggling with addiction or you came here free and with wealth doesn't matter we're all called to serve and the Lord has given us unique individual gifts to give to one another and to the body of Christ All right, tell somebody don't think you just get to sit there I love Bill Johnson. Uh, One of his quotes, he says, we're called to serve with the heart of a king and to rule with the heart of a servant. Freaking Bill Johnson. I'm going to read that again. We're called to serve with the heart of a king and rule with the heart of a servant. I was thinking of this and I was thinking of that servant-hearted posture and the things that I know certainly we're looking for even when we have hired individuals here at the church that are called to full-time. 
when we hired our band director, Toto Morales, who I hope you all have been enjoying the fruit of his toil and labor with our worship teams. It's been amazing. He's not here, but he's in Toronto at the conference playing for them. They literally wanted him to come down to play for their event. But not only is Toto gifted at what he does, the thing that all the more so made us feel like we have to hire this guy, and it even made us kind of buck the norm of just hiring another worship pastor, we decided to go in a completely different direction because of the man that this this guy was, Toto. And so I called up a mutual friend, Devin, who I hold to high esteem, and they're they're missionaries right, right now going around the world. They still consider this their home church, by the way. And they are like, when we come home, it's family. They're here every Sunday whenever they're in town. But I called him and I said, can you give me a character reference for Toto? And he gave me this like novel of this man of faithfulness, of this man with intense integrity and character and heart, of this man that, and I hold Devin to high esteem, but he's like, Toto's the type of man that I go to accountability for. And I was like, we have to hire this guy. It's like, in the eyes of the Lord, character matters far more than gifting. I don't know about y'all, but through some of the stuff that's happened, I'm not going to name any churches, but some of the, the moral failures and the things that have happened throughout the ages in the church, I'm like, we owe the church, we owe the world a better example of God's, of God's bride. And so it might take us longer to get places we want to, Lord, but we'll build with faithfulness. We're not going to build with gifting. And so that's what the Lord's looking for when he's looking at you and I. We are called as the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what, what part in the body are. It matters the condition of our hearts. And before the Lord, we're all equal. And if you're a hand or a foot or a, a pinky toe, you have an important role to play in this body. I love this little story. When I was at a Bethel, I heard it back in 2008 of an employee that they promoted because of the way that they cleaned bathrooms. They found out an employee that was, he, he came up with this idea all on his own. No one told him to, and no one was observing him doing this. So he wasn't doing this for, for recognition, recognition. He wasn't trying to get a promotion. But he began, he had this idea, if I go into the bathrooms with a black light and turn the lights off, I'll be able to better clean the bathrooms because I'll be able to see the ways in which bathroom is gross. And... Um, they found out that this individual was doing that and then they promoted them because this person truly served or ruled with the heart of a servant in their job. And they're like, I'm going to be the best janitor that Bethel Church has ever seen. (laughs) Turn with me to Acts chapter 6, verse 1 1 through 3. We're going to read real quick. I love this. This is kind of like the job requirements of working in ministry, I believe. This is, this is Aaron's opinion, okay? There was some, some stuff happening where they got complaints from the Hellenists that their, their, their widows weren't being taken care of. And so they began to find men to take care of this problem. And we'll, we'll read this and then talk about it. But verse 1 in chapter 6 of the book of Acts says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, they were growing, There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of, ready, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit 
and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. These were the qualifications that they were, <laughs> were men of good reputation, of good character, full of the Holy Spirit, and men who were full of wisdom. Not that they had experience, because the Lord takes that which is unqualified and he makes it qualified. And 10 years ago, when I, my, my dad and I wept as I was leaving my family to come take a pastoring job of the youth here, and my dad looked at me with heaving shoulders and said, Aaron, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I'll never forget it. And the Lord is looking to us, and it's, it's not about it's our experience, it's about his love, his great love for us, that he's predestined and pre-known us before time began and placed us to have purpose and belonging and significance. I've heard it said that if you can't steward a mop, you can't, you're probably not ready for a microphone. Santa was saying, if you can't steward a toilet brush, you can't steward a microphone. It's even grosser. All right, let's say it again. I'm called to the work of ministry. Matthew 9, 37 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the what are few? The workers, the laborers. So often we want recognition without sowing any seed. And the reality is, <laughs> the reality is when we've been built up, we get to build up others. Like to serve one, as truly, as freely as we have received, freely we give. It's not about being comfortable. Christ will lead you places where you are very, very uncomfortable. Listen, Paul is writing this letter from the prison, everybody. But there is an adventure to be found on the other side of your yes. When we say yes to God, when we say yes to his calling, when we say yes to his leading, it's like, oh man, there is so much to be found and discovered on the other side. And so, you know, as I was coming to, to preach this message, there was... There was like a part of me that's like hesitant on a message like this just because I would never want somebody to receive this with any sense of legalism, manipulation, like forced hand. That's not our desire, like ever for any of the things in this book of God. Like you are accountable first and foremost to God. One day you're not going to stand before me or Duncan or any of your previous pastors. You're going to stand before the Lord. And so, but at the same time, it's like we felt as we were doing this We the Church series, as we were looking at the early church, that this was foundational, that we're actually called to serve one another. We're actually called to, dare I say it, serve in church. As long as y'all don't take my heart the wrong way, I'm fine to say it. But I also, I don't want to make the mistake that I did many years ago. I was, I was on an airplane. We were flying back from Columbia and we were at a conference, Duncan and I, and I'm on the airplane. The Lord's encountered me twice on an airplane, very significantly. The first time I wept and we were close to the front of the plane. And as everyone was walking on the plane, I was weeping. And just being a loving wife, she said, put a pillow over your face. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're embarrassing me. Please stop. But listen, the Lord did like the greatest work in my life that has ever happened. Like I forgave my parents. I forgave my brother for all this stuff. It was amazing. I'll tell you all about it one day. It's a good story. Not applicable today. 
But I'm on, this, I'm on another airplane, and the Lord, out of nowhere, he says, on the way back, he says, Aaron, you're doing a disservice to your youth leaders. And, you know, the Lord says that stuff, you're like, hold up, okay, what's up? And you're just kind of listening. Say more, yes, Lord. And so I'm like, Lord, what do you mean? And the Lord says, you're so afraid, because I, I feel called as a pastor, like, the Lord has made me that. And so I care about people. I'm a little more emotional. It's the way I'm wired. Sorry, it's, it's how God's made me. But because of that, the Lord was challenging me in my leadership. And he said in that moment, he says, you so care about people's hearts and people's time that you're not adequately calling them to the mission of the gospel. You're not adequately calling them to giving their lives away to me. And specifically, you're not calling them to giving their lives away to this next generation, to your youth. I just like, I literally just began to repent. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I began to repent to the Lord. And there was ways in which we dialed back our amount of meetings and tried to make it easy for people. When the Lord was like, almost like, you're, you're missing the point. It's like, call people to me, Aaron. And so I don't want to make that mistake either of, of trying to overprotect people's hearts. Again, it's between you and the Lord. No one's, no one's telling you to do anything. But I'm going to preach this. And so, but there is an opportunity for us to dive a little deeper into the body of Christ, to recognize and realize that we didn't come to just warm a seat. We didn't come to just be entertained. And I want to challenge this church to be a church that engages in worship, that doesn't look to the stage, but looks to the, to the Lord. I want to challenge us to be a church that doesn't just hear the words and forget it, but practices the word, puts into practice the word of God. And you know what I found as we've called people higher over the years, as Jess and I have called people to this mission as the Lord confronted us. It's like the higher we called people almost, the more sense of belonging and family and purpose was found. It's like the adventure found behind their yes was like they were a part of a family and a community on mission together for one heart, one purpose, to see our students set on fire for Jesus and have lasting fruit all the days of their lives. And so I truly believe that serving is one of those things sometimes we don't like hearing, but it's one of those things that if we, if we hear the Lord leading us and if we say yes, you'll find out that it's more for you than for anyone else. It's not about desperation or neediness of a particular church or building or people. It's about giving our lives and our gifts to one another and serving one another. And I want to say our hope is in the Lord. Our hope's not in one another. Our hope's in the Lord. But there is an invitation for us to, to dive deeper, to say yes. And there are needs. Of course there's needs in any place, in any church, even here. Y'all know that? Did you ever know that? Sometimes people say, like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know y'all have needs. Y'all look like you have it all together. It's not always true. It's like we love volunteers and our cameras. Last week when nobody showed up, <laughs> just being real with y'all. Cafe and kids and whatever it is. But Jess and I also have this desire that it's not just needs-based. I think that's part of it. And the Lord, some of us just need to be the type of people that say, yes, I'll help anywhere I can. There's people with excellent hearts and spirits. But I think there's also an invitation for those of us that 
as we've been uniquely gifted, we get to give our gifts away. And actually, it's also sometimes from a place of gifting. And listen, you have the best smile and the best personality ever. So you want to, you love talking to people, you love meeting people, you serve on the greeting team. Because not because we need it, but because you would actually gain life from it. I want y'all to catch that distinction. Otherwise, it seems just nah, manipulative, which I don't want. And similarly, it's like you might, you might have a passion for our marriages and you might be uniquely gifted in discipleship. And so Jackie and Marcelo, who decided to voluntarily with their time take on our entire marriage hub for connect groups here and get other leaders that they'll lead to lead connect groups to bless the marriages in this church. Why? Because they feel gifted to God and they feel like they want to play their part. And they love it. So what is it that you have? What is it that you carry? Not from obligation, but from joy. And I want to encourage you, like, do your homework. Read the Bible yourself. Tell me if you think this is in there, if this is true. If you don't, let's talk. But we have a part to play in this body of Christ. It's not an, it's not an event. And the reality is, like, even here at this church, I want to say, like, we've had those throughout different seasons Again, this isn't legalism. This isn't, this isn't uh, manipulation. It's, there are those that have had to take seasons of resting, whether their marriages weren't where they want them, whether they're in seasons of chaos, and they're like, we need a break. And it will, particularly when I led the worship department for two years here, people that were like, I need to take a, a, a season off, and I don't know when I'll be back. The thing that I've loved, though, about some of those in our community is whether it was a year or six months or three months, I can tell you countless people that came back and the point that I'm trying to make is take your time. There's seasons, there's places, there's seasons of busyness, there's overwhelm, there's, there's things going around in life. Not yet. <laughs> that was like my not yet look. Um, but but, it's, but we ha- there is a place eventually if the Lord is calling you deeper, okay? And if you long for it. Does that make sense? Y'all with me on that? And so I want to say that, again, the invitation this morning is simply as we, in this series, as we are the church, as we're joined together in unity, are there those of you that the Lord is actually calling deeper? To no longer be a spectator, but to jump in the game. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray in a moment. Before we do, I was chatting with our events coordinator, and she encouraged me, convinced me um, that we should have a bit of a call to action. And if anyone wants to find more about joining a team, if anyone feels stirred in their spirit, they feel that this is true for them today, she said, let's put a table in the lobby where people can find out more and, and find out and serve and join. But again, that's between you and the Lord, okay? So, but I just want to say there is an opportunity to find out more if you all want. So what I want us to do for a moment, close our eyes. And just ask the Lord, Lord, is this true? Come on, Lord, is this true? And secondly, Lord, is this for me in my season right now? Just take a moment and listen.
Lord, I thank you for this body. Lord, I thank you for Catch the Fire Raleigh. Thank you for this unique group of believers living here in the great state of North Carolina. Lord, I thank you for their gifts, callings. Lord, I ask that you would bless each and every one of us with whatever we lay our hands to, with wherever our feet walk, with wherever our eyes lay hold of. Lord, I ask that you would move powerfully through us. And Lord, I just ask that this message would be received by those who need to receive it this morning. Not for us not to fill holes, Lord, but that there would be those in this church that would find a place of belonging, that would find a place of, of, of team and passion and purpose in joining together and playing their part in the body of Christ. Lord, I just ask that you would bless us in our lives. You bless us with our families. You would bless us. I want to pray a blessing. Just feel the Lord leading me to pray a blessing of margin in our lives over this church. Lord, I just pray for just that elimination of that busyness, that mindset of busyness where we overpack everything, but instead we would find the freedom of what we say yes to and the, and the privilege found in it and also the privilege of saying no to things. Lord, would you lead and guide us into truth? Would you speak to us? Would you stir us? For those of us in any ways that we can join in, join together, be one body. In the name of Jesus, amen.